welcome to the Women's Golf Show with me, Jenny Falconer. This is the podcast that stands up and shouts about the brilliance of the women's game and how it's loved by beginners right through to the best in the world. Now, coming up, we look back on one of the biggest golf weeks of the year, the AIG Women's Open, where the world's best came head to head. Plus, we preview the Curtis Cup, where the stars of the future will collide. I tell you, there's a lot packed into one episode. Helping me to unpack all of that and much more, well, I'm delighted to say I am joined by Alice Hewson, former European amateur champion, now in her second year as a pro on the Ladies European Tour. And we also have Beth Ann Nichols, senior writer for Golf Week, uh, who's speaking to us all the way from Florida. Hello to you both. Hey. Hello. Uh, now, just to show the glamour, the glamour of this podcast. Okay, so I am currently in Spain on holiday, right? Now, <laughs> let's go over to you, Alice. Alice, where are you? Can you top that? I am in a shopping mall in Edinburgh on a day off. Hey! <laughs> and, and Beth Ann, where are you? Uh, I'm in Florida in my home office where it's a thousand degrees. <laughs> okay, so I think this is possibly the most international episode we've done. <laughs> I'm I love jealous that. of both of you, though. <laughs> don't know I think everyone's winning in some way well I, I think as well Alice you're just delighted to be out of the bubble that you've been in for a while oh yeah I've done eight weeks on the road um literally jumping from bubble to bubble so it's definitely nice to breathe some fresh air for a day how is golf in these COVID times I mean how restrictive is it it's been very interesting um kind of the restrictions vary from tournament to tournament depending on which country we're in um certain countries like Scotland make us have slightly tighter restrictions in other countries for them to let us have the tournaments go ahead um but overall pretty strict but you know that's all I've been used to I played one tournament pre-covid so all I've known is covid pro goal <laughs> hopefully it would just be smooth and plain sailing from here on in that would be ideal um, you have had a busy weekend as well. You've been playing a lot of golf. It's just, you know, that small matter of the AIG Women's Open. How exciting. How was it? So exciting. Um, that was my third time playing the AIG Women's Open this year. And the first time I've made the cut. So uh, very happy, like personally for this week. I'm kind of happy with the progress that I'm making. And, you know, to be on such incredible courses and to be at Carnoustie was it was really special. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then also in the middle of it all, you got your birthday as well. Happy birthday. Was it Thursday? <laughs> oh, thank you. How do you celebrate your, you know, big 24 when you're in the middle of a golf championship? Um, my parents delivered me a caterpillar cake. Um, <laughs> that was pretty much it. <laughs> That's nice. That's a lovely way to spend a birthday, I've got to say. Yeah, it was good. Um, Beth Ann, I'm, I'm guessing that you were very much involved in the golf as well, but maybe from the comfort of your own sofa and maybe at antisocial hours since you were in Florida. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to actually being at the AIG Women's Open on the ground, but COVID, alas, so I was uh, watching from my couch from about 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. every day local time. So it was a uh, had to get up and stretch every once in a while, but but a lot of drama, so it, it kept me on the edge of my couch most of the weekend. It was really exciting. I know, right down to the end, it really was exciting, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, we didn't have the weather that those of us on our couch were hoping for. <laughs> Maybe Alice loved the, the calm conditions and the sunny skies, I'm sure. But the players still delivered with incredible drama, as you say, right up to the finish. And, and what a win for Anna Nordquist to collect her, her third different major, <laughs> which is rare, rare air there when you win three different majors. I love how all the commentators and the journalists all really want you to have to the battle through wind and rain. <laughs> Alice, it seems unfair. Yeah, I was definitely grateful for the calm conditions for sure because that course can grow some teeth if it gets brutal out there. Um, well, listen, wherever you're listening, if you're somewhere abroad or maybe you're just at home doing your day-to-day thing, we do want you to get in touch with us too. Do send us your thoughts, your comments or your questions by tweeting at R and A and you can use the hashtag WGS which stands for the Women's Golf Show. Uh, and one thing we do like to do here on the Women's Golf Show is actually learn a little bit about our guests. So... We're going to start with you, Alice. I want to know how you got into golf because I heard, is it right, that you played your first competition age seven? Seven. On your seventh birthday, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so I was really lucky. I grew up about two minutes from my local course, Birkenstock Golf Club, um, and I've been a member there pretty much since I was seven years old. They had a great junior setup. Um, I think it was a setup called YMG, Young Masters Golf. And they'd put on junior coaching every week, kind of just in groups. If the weather was bad, you'd go inside and learn the rules, Um, kind of all the fun stuff to keep kids interested in golf. And that's how I fell in love with the game. I just kind of progressed up through that. Um, You know, played for my ladies section at my club, county, national, and just kind of went from there. Oh, brilliant. When you first started, you know, as a six-year-old unbelievable in that little group were there many girls or was it quite boy heavy because more girls are playing now definitely boy heavy but um I think there was one other girl oh good pleased to see it well I've, I, I presume that you're probably doing better than all the boys were anyway yeah probably I don't I don't really know who they were I was a bit young <laughs> Um, and can I then ask you as well, Bathan, how you got into golf and how you got into writing about golf as well? Sure. I was I was just a little bit older than Alice. I was nine when I started <laughs> in a nine hole league that cost 50 cents. So it was a great, <laughs> great introduction. And there was there was one other girl that played in the league and I was Betsy King and she was Nancy Lopez. That's what we pretended when we were kids. I had a big kick out of telling Betsy King that when I interviewed her as an adult, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I was hooked right from the start and, uh, and I played college golf, uh, which is when I got to know Alice, not at the same time, she's much younger than me, but I got to know Alice through, <laughs> through college golf. Um, and I, after I graduated, I started working at golf week right away and have been there since 2002. So I've been fortunate to, to watch a lot of players throughout the bulk of their careers <laughs> for almost two decades. Do you know, the college golf thing is really interesting. It seems that it's a really successful way of developing players in America. It's renowned around the world because, I mean, as you mentioned there, Alice, you went through that too, didn't you? Absolutely. I mean, it's a system that I would 100% recommend to anyone who's even considering it. I mean, we're so lucky that we play a sport that we can literally play for the rest of our lives, like golf you're going to have such a long career and to take four years out of that career to go and get yourself a degree and play four years of free golf at the top amateur level. I mean, you can't ever get that time back. And that's a time that I grew so much as a person like on and off the golf course. And my game like developed so much. And I kind of look back now 
how I was then to see how much it's changed and how invaluable that experience was. Yeah, because you were, I think, was it, am I right in saying you were 17 when you headed over to, was it Clemson in South Carolina? Yeah. And what's what's it like on a day-to-day basis being at, you know, college studying golf? It was incredible. I mean, they do so much to help you truly be a student athlete. Um, you know, you get help planning what classes you need to take, how many classes you need to take, scheduling them at specific times so that you can still go to team practice, um, workouts in the mornings. I mean, they literally help you get every piece of the puzzle in place so that you can just kind of get on and do what you need to do every day. Um, but I loved it. I mean, I love being part of a team. I love having other people to play with, compete with and be on team with. Yeah, and there, there, there presumably are many great colleges that offer this course out there as well, Bethan. Oh, hundreds, absolutely. And 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 Anna Nordquist, uh, of course, played golf at, at Arizona State, and and recently moved back to Arizona. And she talked about yesterday how important that move back was because you you develop these relationships, you know, in, in, in a lot of times in your college town. And of course, it's Arizona, so it's great weather to practice in the winter, especially, but. You know, that that those carry on, you know, for many cases for the rest of your life. Do you, uh, people that were in your course, Beth Ann, do you come across many of them nowadays as well, still a few years on? Oh, sure. Yeah. We And we just had our, our first reunion uh, that we've ever had. We had a 25-year reunion right before COVID hit for the entirety of the program. Everyone who's ever played came back. And uh, Jackie Stolting plays on the LPGA now. She's a, a grad from my school. And uh, quite a few are still in the in the golf industry. So a lot of people who aren't playing competitively, but still found a career in golf uh, after college, which is which is also awesome to continue doing your passion. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to hear about some of those who are on a similar journey to Alice, maybe when we look ahead uh, to the forty first Curtis Cup. But first. There's been quite a big championship happening. It is time to look back at one of the biggest weeks in women's golf, the AIG Women's Open at Carnoustie. And boy, we were treated to quite a grandstand finale and also a brilliant champion. Listen to this. Anna Norquist is a major champion again. The Swede has won the 2021 AIG Women's Open. What a weekend. What a performance. So there we go. That was Sweden's Anna Nordvist claiming her third major win with a tap-in for par on the 18th. And she held her nerve. I think it was a pretty dramatic final day as well, wasn't it? Beth-Ann, you were watching. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I mean, at one point you had had six players tied for the lead and it just looked like an absolute free-for-all out there. And And with such a tough finishing stretch, those last four holes, you know, that you know, anything could happen and anything did happen with, with Nana Kortz Madsen, of course, uh, w- with an unfortunate double there on, on 18 that was tough to watch. So you just, you just never know. Uh, Georgia Hall had a chance. Uh, Madeline Sack- Sagstrom had a chance. Uh, just a lot of uh, excitement down the stretch. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, as you said, you had three players tied for the lead in the clubhouse at 11 under. And that was by the time the final pairing of Anna and Denmark's uh, Nana Korst Madsen started the 18th. I mean, they were both on 12 under. Beth Ann, talk us through what happened then after that. Oh, goodness. I I, I don't want to have to use the word, but I have to use the word. <laughs> after, after, after Nana hit an unfortunate second shot in a bunker, she she shanked her, her third shot. Um, 
which, you know, you kind of wanted to rewind it to see it again, but you didn't at the same time because they were going to replay it. But we've all hit that shot, or at least I've hit it. And, uh, and you know how it feels when nothing's on the line. So I can't imagine what it feels when everything's on the line. You're trying to win for the first time. Uh, and, and, and Anna Nordquist, you know, she ended up having a, a few inches left uh, for her an easy tap in par. Um, and, and so it ended up in the end being drama less for as far as the last boat was concerned. But, uh, but just an emotional finish for Anna, who hasn't won in over 1,400 days. It's her last major title came at the Evian in 2017. She talked about the struggles that she had with mononucleosis and how that carried on for three years, that she just felt emotionally and physically drained and couldn't get that extra gear. And we saw on Sunday at Carnoustie that she's rediscovered her extra gear. So let's hear that moment when Anna Nortvist was handed the trophy by RNA Chief Executive Martin Slumbers and then she addressed the crowd on the 18th green. With a score of 276, the winner of the gold medal and the 2021 AIG Women's Open Champion is Anna Nordqvist. I've been waiting on this one for a while. I haven't won in a couple of years. Uh, it's been a lot of downs, a lot of hard times. Um, so I think this makes it feel even sweeter. Um, had my husband, Kevin, there for me every, every single year since, since Evian, since I won last time. Uh, Paul Cormack, my caddy, he's been, he's been my rock on the golf course and he's always been there for me. Um, so happy to be here. Um, my husband's 20 minutes away from here. I was supposed to get married 20 minutes away from here. So this, this place is just truly special. I've never seen Carnoustie this great of a shape. So AIG, um, RNA, and everyone's done such a great job. I love the fans being back, having an atmosphere. So thank you so much. Oh, it's so lovely to hear her win. And I mean, obviously, I'm joined today uh, on on the podcast by um, Beth Ann Nichols, who's over in Florida, and Alice Hewson, who was there as well. What was it like when she won? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I had already left the course for the day, but was able to catch it on the TV. And yeah, it was just so great to watch. What was, the, what was the whole atmosphere at the event like as well? I mean, uh, to be playing in it as well must have been just amazing. It's so great to have the fans back. So, so great. Um, and the fans here this week were incredible. They were so supportive. You could hear cheers all over the golf course. Um, so it, it was just so lovely to have them all back out there. It really made it feel like a major championship again. Yeah, 8,000 fans every single day. I mean, something almost 30, I think there was like almost 29,000 fans in total uh, for the whole weekend. So it was it was just really incredible. And the, the groundwork for Anna was really laid on on the Saturday because she carded at 65 and it was pretty challenging, the conditions then. is that Would that be fair to say that, Alice? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, it was kind of a little bit wet on and off on the Saturday, um, which definitely made it a bit tougher. The course was playing a lot longer that day than it had the first two days so definitely made it tougher there were some sneaky pin positions out there too so 65 any day on Carnoustie is a good day but especially on Saturday in particular 
Yeah. I mean, you do have to feel sorry for uh, Nana Quartz Madsen, though. I mean, let's be honest, when when it didn't kind of go to plan, when you said that that dreadful word, word Beth Ann on the 18th, and then she ended up, you know, tying fifth in the end. You, you do feel for her. A hundred percent. And I, I think the only uh, the only thing that could kind of put a little salve in the wound was the fact that she would then go on to uh, to get a, a, a captain's pick from uh, from Katrina Matthew for the Solheim Cup team. So. Uh, hopefully that that helped her evening uh, go a little bit a little bit brighter uh, after that tough finish. Yeah, that we are going to talk about that more on that point in a minute. So sh- <laughs> nothing more on there yet. We're going to come to that point because can I just say, have you heard? Is this right that um, Nana actually takes out her frustration when she's playing by sucking on lemon wedges? Is that? I mean, that's. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was one of my all-time favorite conversations after the round was uh, it was 2019 at the LA Open, and I was asking her what she does to control her emotions out there because it had been something that she'd work, been working on, and she said her coach told her to to cut up lemon slices when it started going the right the wrong way, take a little bite out of one, and uh, and it it just it, it just really struck with me. I'm I'm sure there's a, some science behind it. I certainly know what it tastes like to. <laughs> Of a lemon, so it, it would get your mind off of whatever is currently happening. That's for sure. Uh, but I just thought it was pretty, uh, pretty entertaining. I suppose there are many golfers out there that do have little rituals that they'd stick with because you know, you know, if it works for you once, then you maybe want to do it again, and if it works again, then you keep going, right? So let's ask Alice, what is your little ritual? Um, I'd say that the way that I mark up my golf ball, like the way that I, I draw on either a England flag or a Great Britain and Ireland flag. And I always do it on the same side of the ball um, and then always line up the ball the same way. So that's probably the one thing that I do the same every single time. I, see. I heard as well that your grandma had once got you a ball marker. Oh, yeah, I still use that. She got it for me the first time I ever played for Great Britain Island. Um, not the Cust Cup, but the Junior Vagliano when I was 15. And I've had it ever since. So nine years later, the ball marker is still going strong. It's a little red rose. Oh, you see, everyone has their thing. Beth Ann, do you have anything when you're playing? Do you have any little quirks? I don't think I'm good enough to have quirks. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that when, when I need some energy, I love a cold Snickers. That's probably my favorite thing. <laughs> but that's not really unique. <laughs> Fair. Um, Beth Ann, do you get to play much or do you spend so much time talking about golf that you never actually get time to play it? I I, I certainly talk and watch a lot more golf than I play and I have a new puppy so she has uh kept me from being able to to play as much as I would like of late but uh certainly when I'm on the road I love to play especially and have have been fortunate enough to play some fantastic venues over in in Great Britain and uh and and played Carnoustie actually in 2011 the day after the Open so um so I I loved watching it again in person or on TV (laughs) And we should also probably mention a few people that did, you know, play well. Georgia Hall, she had a good a good weekend. Uh, absolutely, you know, she she had a a putt there that that could have gotten her in, into a playoff, and and it was a different walk than when she she won in two thousand eighteen. You know, coming coming up eighteen, but it still looked extremely special. You know, with, with as you say, the crowds that were there, and she was soaking in the atmosphere, and uh, and Lizette Salas also had a chance to. To, to work her way possibly into a playoff there. She had a great look on 18. So a, lo- a lot of chances down the stretch for 
for folks to, to extend extend the afternoon. <laughs> and, and also, can we talk about Nellie Corda? Because I think a lot of people had quite high expectations from her. You know, it's been it's been such a tough stretch for Nellie and a lot of players physically that you kind of wonder if if she just ran out of steam there after winning the gold medal and, uh, you know, obviously winning a major and a gold medal within the span of six weeks, going over to France to play in the Evian, you know, so so much international travel. uh, And I and I she she was right there. She just couldn't get the putts to drop. That was that was seemingly it to get any momentum going but it's still been an incredible year for Nelly Corda with three titles on the LPGA plus a gold medal uh, it'll be interesting to see if she can add to it before the year ends ends I mean Alice you were saying as well that you've been continuously on the road I mean you did you played really well well done you tied for 20th as well over the last few days and um, oh, but you. does it does it get exhausting are you shattered I'm starting to get a little bit tired um but I've just been enjoying it so much and especially over here on the LET, the stretch of events that we've had have been such incredible opportunities week in, week out, that there's not really a single event that I felt I could turn around and say no to. You know, I've played two majors in that time. I've played the ISPS Hammer in Ireland, which was a great test. We've had the events run by Golf Saudi, the Aramco Team Series. They've great passes. So week in, week out, I'm kind of like, well, this is another great opportunity. So I just kept playing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of golf going on at the moment. And also great news oh, on yeah. Thursday, Thursday when it was announced that the prize fund for the AIG Women's Open had increased by $1.3 million on 2019. I mean, that's nice. And it's going to increase again uh, for 2022, isn't it? Yeah, that was a lovely surprise to have uh, the night before the start of a major, definitely. And yeah, AIG are doing so much for the women's game. And I know that every single person out there is so grateful for their support. It's so good as well to see sponsors investing and, you know, seeing the value in women's golf. If, you know, next year it's going to have a $6.8 million purse. I mean, that's, it's just great news, isn't it? For, for women's golf across the board, Bethann. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's, it was a significant announcement and, and added to the fact that next year's AIG Women's Open is going to Muirfield. So you have this $6.8 million purse at Muirfield and it just really makes a huge statement about the future of the women's game and 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 quite frankly the investment that they deserve so you know Martin Slumber said this isn't a race because I asked him you know are you trying to you know up the ante here for for other organizations to follow he says it's not a race you know we're, we're doing what we can in our timeline which I I fully fully respect and appreciate but I do think that the USGA We'll, we'll follow suit and, and, and the bar will keep being raised across the board for, for women's majors. And, and that sets the standard for the game. Yeah, it really does. I mean, there is still some way to go. But yeah, these are really important steps. And it's good to see that we're moving in that direction. And listen, you can see all the highlights, the interviews and much more from the week. If you just go online, AIGwomensopen.com, you will have everything there. Now, one of the other great stories to emerge from Carnoustie State was the performance of amateur champ and local favourite Louise Duncan, who finished on seven under par for the championship, taking the Smith Salver as the low amateur. I mean, 
what a, what a great story for her. I mean, for me, I was like the total irony that the richest person golf, we could have an amateur who can't collect any money, win it. It would have been just an incredible story. Could we be so lucky to go from Sophia Popoff to an amateur winning? I mean, it was the, just the idea that gave you goosebumps. But but she she was so funny after after Sunday's round. She was like, you know, I thought I might crumble a wee bit, <laughs> but but she she completely held her own. First amateur to to finish in the top ten since two thousand and five. Michelle Wee West did that, and Louise Stahl. So uh, just a remarkable week for for Louise, and and I can't wait to see what she if she has a lot of energy left in the tank for the Curtis Cup this week. But uh, it was. Uh, she is a powerful player and she can putt and it was a lot of fun to watch her poise in front of those Scottish crowds absolutely I mean Alice I know I know that you you've been through that that situation as well what do you think was going through her mind when she was playing Uh, probably a lot of nerves definitely um I know that I played the the year that I played as an amateur I played close to home too and it was definitely nerve-wracking having a lot of people there that you knew so uh you know, she did a really great job of kind of keeping those nerves at bay and going out there and playing some incredible golf. She did really, really well. Yeah, and also it is, as we all said, a brilliant warm up for her for the forty first Curtis Cup. I mean, the, that's the that is the biannual match play tournament between the best amateurs from the USA and Great Britain and Ireland. And uh, she will now be a part of the Britain and Ireland team that head to the Conway Golf Club in North Wales, and she is very excited to follow in the footsteps of some of the best in the game. Listen to this. You hear so many folks that have already played it before and. You say, oh, she's played Curtis Cup, and you think, yeah, they must be a good player. So to have done that and got myself into the team, it, it feels great. And yeah, to go in with high confidence will be will be good. And yeah, really looking forward to the week. Do you enjoy team's golf? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in the amateur game, there's not hundreds of team golf, but there's a, a few big competitions, and to be chosen for the team and then get into that team environment, that's great. That's uh, it's really special compared to just a solo event. Have you been to Conway before? Have you played the course over there? Yeah, so Home Internationals was there 2016. Uh, that was my first one and the weather was absolutely brutal. So, I mean, hopefully the weather's not like that again. But, um, yeah, the course is good. It's very lengthy, so should favour us, hopefully. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to about the Curtis Cup? Um, probably the first tee. Um, I've heard stories about people being so nervous that they can, they can barely hit the ball, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> for, is first tee nerves a thing for you as well, Alice? Uh, yeah, I remember playing my first Curtis Cup. I was so nervous. Um, I did nearly top it. I didn't, but it was close. Um, I think I've got a better handle on that now, for sure. <laughs> kind of deal with it a bit better, but yeah. <laughs> Avida is quite frightening. That was, by the way, George Harper Jr. Um, setting the questions to Louise Duncan there. Um, the first tea nerves, I mean, I it's interesting that you still get them. What can you do to kind of calm yourself down? Do you have a little mantra or do you just kind of really focus, try to ignore all the crowds around you? I think the biggest thing for me is always focusing on my processes. Um, I work really hard with a mental coach to kind of keep on top of those processes and make sure that every single shot, no matter the outside circumstances that we kind of stick to what we know and make it just like the ones you hit on the driving range because you can flush those all day long when there's no pressure so 
All you got to do is make it like a big driving range out on the golf course. Well, thank you for these tips. They will come in very handy because I am playing in the Pro-Am at Wentworth in a couple <laughs> of weeks' time and I will need that advice for the first tee. Oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> Absolutely terrified. And um, I've just got to say as well, um, if you're listening and you're like, there's some interesting noises every now and again, it's because Alice is in a shopping mall, okay? So she's uh, surrounded by people out shopping in Edinburgh. Uh, Beth Annan's in a very quiet, calm uh, situation in her home in Florida. <laughs> So uh, it's it's Alice who's out and about today and we've managed to kind of make her stop and have a chat with us. Um, Alice, you were part of the GB in Ireland team um, in 2016 and 2018 at the Curtis Cup. Okay, so how nervous a moment is it to, or how big a moment, I guess, is it to represent your country in something like that? Oh, it's an incredible feeling. I mean, it's a small, very select team that have the opportunity to do that. But to have that opportunity is such an honour. And I think the girls just all need to really like take pride in what they've achieved to even be there. Um, but I mean, it's an incredible experience and being part of that team is just amazing. But it's a different format because it's match play. So how does that differ to playing for yourself? Yeah, it's very different. I mean, if you get down at all, you just have to kind of remember that you're there for the team. You want to keep pushing. You know, you mentioned time eyes, like you're playing alongside the girls who you're normally competing against. So to kind of team up with them is different as well. But I mean, the girls will just love it. They'll enjoy it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The team dynamic is important as well. So I presume everyone would vaguely know each other anyway. Yeah, I would say that they do, um, whether it be through individual tournaments or stuff like home internationals. They'll all know each other. And um, I know Elaine, the captain, extremely well. So I'm sure she'll have a lot of ice-breaking activities to start the week she's a great captain so they'll, they'll have a fun week um elaine ratcliffe you're talking about there who's going to be captain in great britain and um ireland she'll have louise duncan and also with her girls amateur champ hannah darling who we were talking about on last week's episode of um of the podcast then we've got charlotte heath kaylee mcginty emily toy annabelle wilson and two other players who made the cut at the aig women's open annabelle fuller who's your former teammates Alice isn't yeah. she um, and Ireland's Lauren Walsh now for the American side well I feel that this is Beth and this is your territory here so you <laughs> might as well come up and tell us there uh, yeah so you know obviously Rose Zhang was competing uh at, at the AIG Women's Open as well but uh meanwhile over in the desert uh in Mission Mission Hills you had you had three players on the Curtis Cup team playing in the first stage of LPGAQ school. So that just wrapped up last night. So they'll be they'll be hightailing it over to Wales. Gina Kim from Duke actually won that stage, which had over 300 players in it. All three players played well and will advance to stage, stage two. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of players in really strong form just coming off of Sunday in, into Wales. So if they can manage to muster up the energy needed, which I think they will, but, uh, but it's a lot of new faces. There hasn't been a, a Curtis Cup. Obviously, it was postponed from 2020. So uh, a lot of rookies on both sides, pretty much entirely rookies. So uh, I don't think that gives anyone favor. But the Americans haven't won on, on foreign soil since 2008 uh, when, when the Curtis Cup was at the old course. And Mina Haragai and Stacey Lewis were... We're representing Team USA way back in the day. And that's when Stacey Lewis, who eventually won the, the Open at the old course, first fell in love with Lynx. 
Wow. I mean, you mentioned as well 18-year-old Rose Zhang there. She was in action at Carnoustie too. And she's been speaking to George Harper about how much of an honour it is to line up at the Curtis Cup. It's kind of like a goal accomplished. Um, I'm able to play in the top amateur um, rankings and get into such an amazing team. And just representing your country, um, representing the red, white, and blue, um, it's something that all golfers, all athletes dream of. So um, being able to do that is pretty special. Have you seen much past footage of Curtis Cups? Have you seen what's happened in the past and looked up to that? And is there any memorable moments from, from what you've seen in the past? Yeah, uh, when I first got exposed to the Curtis Cup, um, the USA always gives out practice sessions. So every December or every January, um, before the teams are picked, we get to group up and meet up um, before trying to um, figure out teams and then just get to know each other a little bit more. Uh, and through that, just watching previous Curtis Cup practice sessions, um, it just seems like such a good bonding time with such amazing people. So um, from there, like I just always looked forward to getting to know everyone and being a part of one of those practice sessions. Uh, it's just something that I really looked forward to for a long time. Nice. Yeah. What's your experience with Lynx Golf? Obviously playing at Carnoustie is going to be a mm. massive help, but how much Lynx Golf have you played in the past and do you think the US team will, will thrive in these conditions? How, how unique or what will the challenges be for the US team? Yeah, it's definitely a bit difficult because in the U.S. we don't really have Lynx golf. Uh, I played in the Junior British Open uh, when I was around 16 or 15. Uh, and, you know, playing at St. Andrews, the new course, it's definitely as Lynx golf as it can get. So um, I've got a little bit of experience, but I think being able to play a little bit of Lynx golf is... Um, pretty good under my belt but uh, it's definitely unexpected. Um, Rose Zhang was the 2020 Mark McCormick medal winner so it's the top ranked amateur in the world and uh, as she was saying there talking about Link's experience you know it's something that maybe Americans haven't got so much experience on. I mean could it be a hindrance for the team Bethan? Oh of course I mean it certainly takes some time to uh to get used to it and and who knows what the weather will be like to make it to make it even more difficult to figure out uh and there's not a lot of lead up time you know it's not a lot of practice rounds you kind of kind of jump into it so uh, i think it'll be a great learning experience for all these players and and my my first curtis cup experience was 2004 at formby which the crowds were fantastic at formby the atmosphere was amazing of course michelle Wee, paula creamer Brittany Lang, all players that would go on to win the U.S. Women's Open were on that team. But, you know, I, I, I expect the atmosphere to be fantastic in Wales this week as well. And um, have you ever played Alice at the Conway Club? And what, what's the course like? I have not played at Conway before. No, so um, I'm not sure. But I've heard that it is very lengthy. Um, and, you know, the weather could be a bit brutal. So we'll see. I love that. That is now officially an adjective, linksy. Everyone's been using it. <laughs> best way a uh, bit of breaking news has been happening actually in the hours just before we started recording and it's been keeping beth ann very very busy over there in florida because the u.s team for the solemn cup has just been finalized including including three captain's picks for pat hurst is this it can you give us some of the the top headlines from it beth ann yeah the, the headlines are you've got three players that she picked that 
have never won on the LPGA. <laughs> so you've got two rookies in uh, Yalimi No and um, and Mina Haragai, who who played well at, at Carnoustie. And then, of, of course, you've got um, the third player, Brittany Altamari, who made her debut at Glen Eagles in 2019. So I was surprised that Stacey Lewis was not a part of that team. She's from Toledo. Uh, was instrumental in getting the Solheim Cup to Inverness and obviously won in Scotland last year and uh, has, has been playing some consistent golf. But not to take away from Mina Haragai, who's on this meteoric rise right now, uh, coming from having to go back to Q school to, you know, contending. So um, it's, it's and of course, Illimino, you know, you know has contended it and, and nearly won the Evian a few weeks ago. So um, so Pat Hurst, you know, has her team finalized and, uh, and, and she's going to face a very, very deep top to bottom European team. Oh yeah, she is. So they're going to, the, the others, you've got Nelly and Jessica Corda, Lexi Thompson as well. It's Lexi Thompson's fifth Solheim Cup appearance at 26. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's wild, isn't it? <laughs> My goodness. Uh, it is crazy. As for Team Europe, okay, I, I bet... Everyone wants to get on these teams. I mean, Alice, is there a lot of, is Katrina Matthew just like going around and everyone's going, can I sit next to Katrina, please? Just like everyone trying to become her best friend. Uh, yeah, I definitely think there's a little bit of that going on. Um, but I mean, Beanie's so great. It's just such a great captain. And yeah, I think the team is really, really strong. Yeah, Anna Norkvist, Georgia Hall, they qualified on points thanks to Carnoustie. Um, and then she has also, um, the six picks from Katrina's team have been revealed today as well. Uh, Leona Maguire is the first Irish player selected. Uh, Matilda Castron is the first from Finland. Uh, Madeleine Sagstrom's first is also chosen after her strong showing at the AIG Women's Open, as is Nana Kurtz-Madsen. Um, England's Mel Reid and Celine Boutier are also in the squad. And we will, by the way, we'll have a, a more in-depth look at the Solheim Cup next week and we'll run through the players on each team. That'll be in the next women's golf show because it's not long to go till the Solheim Cup. It takes place, it's not going to say the end, it's last bit, last few days of, last day of August, first few days of September. Is that right, Bethan? Well, it's very unique in that it's Labor Day uh, on Monday the 6th. So it's a Monday finish for the first time, to my knowledge. It's the 4th through the 6th yeah. of September. That's right. So they'll all be heading over there to the Solheim Cup in Toledo, which is the Inverness Club. So a lot of people are going, it's an Inverness. And I'm like, no, the Inverness Club in Ohio. There we go. That's the difference. And <laughs> um, Alice, what is the next club, next event for you? Um, I'm not too sure at the moment. Um, I believe that I might also be heading to the US for a few weeks. So that would be a cool experience. Um but yeah, not too sure just yet. Might come back for the Switzerland event. If not, it'll probably be the next Aramco team series in New York, followed by Q2. Very nice. So it is, it's not really that much of a break. It's still hotting up and still plenty of competitions to play. Oh yeah, lots of stuff coming up. Excellent. I love that as well. Um, does it still feel like a dream being a pro? You've been a pro for oh, two, two years this September, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely flown by. Obviously, last year, kind of first year actually playing out on tour was um, a bit different to what I maybe expected when I turned pro. Um, so this year is like the extension of my rookie year, which is great. So still a rookie out on tour, which is good fun. Um, I'm just loving it. I'm absolutely loving traveling each week, going to all the different countries and playing golf week in, week out. It's the best job I could ever ask for. 
Yeah, and you're good at it, which is really good because I'd love to play golf all the time, but I'm not very good. So there we go. Um, and Beth Ann, we're just, you know, we just mentioned there, Alice says she's heading back over to the States. It looks like all the action is going to be focusing back to the States for the next few weeks so you can stick to your own time zone. Oh, I'm so thrilled. <laughs> yes, the LPJ doesn't go to Asia for a while, so I'm I'm thrilled with uh with Ohio. So uh, and I I must say I expect Alice to be on a future Solheim Cup team very soon. So I I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to see you on there as well. Would it be a dream to play there? It would be. It'd be incredible. Yeah, I'd love the opportunity. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And listen, thank you so much for joining. That is about all we've got time for this week. I've just got to say thank you to my guests, Alice Houston and Beth Ann Nichols for joining me uh, from the Edinburgh Shopping Mall and from home in Florida. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, and thank, thank you. you uh, thank you to you too for listening. If you did enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you consume your podcast. And remember, you can tweet us any thoughts or if you want, tweet us questions that we can put to future guests. You can get in touch with us at RNA with the hashtag WGS. There are plenty more stellar events and big name guests to come from us on the Women's Golf Show. So do make sure you tune in next week as we'll review the Curtis Cup. And of course, we'll look ahead to the fast approaching Solheim Cup in even greater detail. Until then, though, from me, Jenny Falconer and my guests, it's goodbye and see you soon. Oh,